Hey guys, welcome back to the Fading Podcast. And man, today we have a special episode for you. We had the beloved Ustaz Ahmed Karat from Maidan Archery, all the way from Sydney, join us on the podcast. Ali and I were able to touch on his interesting story about how he fell in love with the four Sunnah sports, dis- Sunnah disciplines, how he went from martial arts all the way into archery, compound archery, into Ottoman archery, learning about the Ottoman history and studying under the giants of archery in Istanbul for a couple months. There's so many takeaways in this episode. You guys are going to love it. It talks about how to really get the most out of life, how to take action, how to not just be, you know, talking about wanting to do great things, but living and being people that are important and beneficial to the ummah. You guys are going to love this episode. Honestly, so, so many gems. Please listen carefully. And we hope you guys enjoy the episode. The theory is that the original communication is physical. Voice is nothing but physical like it's uh, transmission of what's in my software yeah onto hardware it has to be hard because voice is hardware yeah because it's waves traveling in whatever you want to call it like a physics yeah, you know? yeah it's waves traveling but those waves have impact on your chest have mm. the, you feel them better than you do from mic there's so a delay there's like not as much feeling mm. than if i talking to mike there's not as much feeling me coming out and there's not as much feeling on the receiving end Okay. That's what I. So you focus more, would you say, body language? No, I focus on speaking from the diaphragm. Okay. Speaking correctly. Yeah. And letting your voice be carried. Projected. And another thing is that, like, my classes tend to be smaller. Well, 20 people, if you want to. Depends under, if you uh, get like 20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, the 20 people. Um, it's more intimate. And it's how much my voice can carry. My yeah. voice won't carry more than 25. Like your personal voice, you think? Yeah, okay. And, and I, I have, I carry, like when I, he's felt, when I speak, yeah. like Mashallah. in a classroom is different than like between us. Yeah. I can say that if you don't, if you don't mind. It's true. I, I don't want to put you on spot. <laughs> no, you can put me on the spot as much no. as you want. It's true. I, you know, like it's when you, when you speak to people in classroom, it's different than when you speak to them outside of classroom. We can mm. be friends. We can have fun, but when you are in class, it's learning time. It's on. Yeah, exactly. I'm a teacher myself, so this is actually very interesting to me because mm. I'm still. I've only been six months in the industry, but I've been looking into these type of things about talking from the diaphragm. Very important. Improving as a speaker, not only just voice. That's why I was body language. I'm starting to realize body language is important as well. Speaking is body language. Yeah. But like a lot of people Reality maybe focus too much. Any on artist of speaking, any mm. good speaker will tell you. Voice is part of it. There's no difference. Mm. Because voice is like, when I shout, you feel, you physically feel me. Yeah. You feel the, the, the heaviness. Like that's why you, you walk like a bass or baritone man. He walks in the room and he speaks. Or you feel when his voice is in the room, the room atmosphere change. Yeah. And, and when a person talks from the voice and from the throat, Mm. It's different than when they speak yeah. from the diaphragm. Especially speaking with confidence, that's where you build trust as well. And that's what Quran teaches us. Because in Quran, my Mashaykh and old Mashaykh of Tajweed, proper people who fo- focus on yani, الحروف, the correct places of each letter, they'll tell you only two letters in Arabic are from the nasal cavity, from the gunna, Mim and Nun. Everything else is from that. It's pushed from here, not oh. not from here. Hmm. 
Yeah? Subhanallah. So important. Yeah. That's why they close your na- nose when you say Bismillah. And you're saying Bismillah. Not Bismillah. Like that. Mm. So it's so important. Yeah, it is. Are we recording? Um, I think so, yeah. Oh, so my God. Um, yeah, we usually maybe cut that one out. Yeah. But maybe <laughs> those, those good, no. <laughs> on, on the teaching, were you always a teacher? Like, is that uh, a part of your, you know, story? Or was it only through archery you became a teacher? I, I My career, my trade is recruitment consulting. So... In a way, I sales of people and their skills. That's kind of what I do. When I was in my career, it, oh, they always wanted me, uh, they asked me, would you like to do management or would you like to be core uh, or a contributor? You know, they say, would you, did you just want to make money or do you want to develop people? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I want to make money. I don't want to, too much headache. And I guess it's because I saw the ugly side of managing people because in recruitment, you see a lot of bad things in the business world. You see things that are unsavory and it makes you want to stay away from people. But it was only through archery that, subhanAllah, I re- even realized that there's, there's this side to me that I didn't even know about. Mm. And through the barakah of uh, following these steps and the steps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and of course, being in touch with the good people, then you, it makes you want to do it. And uh, then you discover sides of you that you didn't know. Mm. So through archery, for Interesting. sure. Okay, maybe we'll take a step back because a lot of the listeners might not know your original story. And I know you come back, you come from an... Um, your story is you went into martial arts, different sparring, BJJ, you did Muay Thai, you did things like that. And then after an injury, you got into archery. Is that correct? You got into compound archery? Th- no, after no, I was in, in archery at the time. So the, my injury happened many years after I got into compound. Uh, it was around 2008. Um, I was toying with the idea. I, I, I feel almost as if every moment in my life led me to... Everything in my life led me to this moment, so to speak. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do was uh, teach wrestling. I was very passionate about oh. it. Um and I started on that journey. And back then, there were not many black belts in Sydney. And Melbourne was a hub for wrestling. And you guys have that over Sydney. Mm. Like, hands down, mm. Melbourne BJJ scene is not like Sydney BJJ scene. Oh. And I may get into trouble for this, <laughs> but back when I was looking for teachers, Melbourne had them all, and Sydney didn't have many. Mm. I, started, I studied uh, in BJJ a little bit in the Machada school. Um, and I uh, wanted, I was planning to tri- uh, trip to Brazil. SubhanAllah. To fast Whoa. track. But back then, fast track would have been years. Now, it's very, fairly realistic to get black belt within a few years. You think the, the difference is getting smaller? Like, you know, so-called fast tracking, going overseas to study or do something. Do you think it's yeah. a, a smaller difference now or no? I think like any martial art, the, uh, BJJ is going through a difficult phase where there's a lot of dilution happening and uh, it's easier to get black belt, but then the quality suffers. Because the quantity increased, Mm. the quality is suffering because the principles were not adhered. Because the principle was the hardship of getting the black belt. Uh, It wasn't 
just a tick in the box. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't you attend and you get it. It was more you earn it. So I think they are going through a very tough time in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's why you have people like with such a heavy culture from Dagestan coming and saying things uh, to BJJ and getting away with it. It's because they have culture and these uh, BJJ is starting to lose culture. They have substance and BJJ is beginning to yeah. lose that substance. Because BJJ came in with substance and they built on that. But over time, they, they began to lose it because of quantity. You know, and quality is more important than quantity. We know this. Mm. We know this from the historical battles of the Muslims. We never won because of numbers. Yeah, exactly. It was, we never quality. Like, it was always quality. Mm. This is the Madrasa of Rasulullah. Quality over quantity. You know, in everything. Ihsan wa itqan. With the BJJ, did you get into it because you had a love for wrestling? Was the the desire to teach? Was it because of Sunnah discipline? What was? Where did your desire come from to want to go to Brazil? Oh, it was f- yes and no. I felt like, as I said before, all my moments in life led me to this moment. So it wasn't like I planned it. I never planned it, but I had an inner like a drive, of sort, uh, kind of an idea of where I want to be. But the steps were never clear. You know, the ancestors, they leave you crumbs on the, along the r- road, dots along the way. You have to connect them, mm-hmm. right? So the door of BJJ closed when I injured my knee, which is a very common thing in BJJ, shoulder injuries, knee injuries, and now, funny enough, ankle injuries. Damn, okay. And then, so you, uh, you, did, you had your martial arts journey, you had the injury, you got into compound archery, and then you fell in love with Ottoman archery. So compound began in 2004. Okay. My professor is American influence. He was obviously because Americans are very into compound because the Americans have seasoned, they are avid hunters. Nobody has the marksmanship culture of, of America. Mm-hmm. I think they really excelled at this. You know, they have very strong marksmanship culture. And they, what means that it, it's not that they are just into guns. They have seasons for hunting, seasons to use different marksmanship tools. So they have a season for crossbow, which is a bow on a, on a rifle, essentially. Okay, so sorry, sorry to cut you, but like marksmanship, what does it consist of? Because this is my Very first time question. hearing this. Yeah. So marksmanship, uh, is, it means rimaya uh, in Arabic. Okay. So when I heard uh, the hadith, first time I got explanation of the hadith, teach your children three things. Yeah, swimming, riding and marksmanship. Not archery. Rimaya Yashmel. Rimaya includes everything from a rock to a rocket. SubhanAllah. Yeah? Yeah. That's how it was explained to me. In this particular hadith. So the Americans, they have this marksmanship culture. So marksmanship includes hitting things from far. That's it. A striking far object. Striking an object from far. So whether it's a rock, slingshot, bow and arrow, gun, rocket, whatever it is. It's the art of from far. Because Prophet, this is now maybe we're going off on a tangent, but Prophet valued, uh, he did not, uh, should I say, Prophet valued grappling over striking. Because the inherent nature of uh, grappling is that you can subdue your opponent without harming them. Like y- using 
they're white. You could pin someone yeah. without hurting them. Compared yeah. to like striking where you'd knock someone out, yeah. you could break their nose. So, you so could striking, you're using your strength, but then grappling, you're using theirs against them. You could, you there's the Prophet didn't strike with his hand, elbow, head, or leg, except that there was something in his hand. And his striking always involved the severance of life. So he made sure that there was a bow in hand or a sword or a harba, short spear, long spear. The Sahaba, they were very apt martial artists. But they were a martial artist from a cultural sense. Mm. Not from a, a Chinese martial arts sense. The culture was such that you learn this as you do drinking water. You mm. learn bow and arrow you, as you do running, as you do wrestling, as you do riding, as you do swimming. All of these things were culturally imbued in them. The, it was not uh, a system where you had a particular belt system or something else. It was just that they lived it. Yeah, it was constant. Yeah. Before, before uh, Nubuwa, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, before he became a prophet, the Arabs used to go hajj. What they call hajj back in the Jahiliya time. They would go naked and they would circulate, they would do tawaf. Like we do tawaf, but they would be clapping naked and worshipping 360 idols. Subhanallah. Mm -hmm. After this event, to them this was the hajj. This, you know, it all comes from Ibrahim alayhi salam, but they've completely uh, gone off the, tra off the rails, as they say. But the, the crux of the story isn't just, yes, what they were doing is wrong. And they were, you know, you, you can go astray even after a prophet. But the crux of what I'm trying to say is they had another event that they looked forward apart from that tawaf. Because they would come to Mecca for two things. That and something that would happen out in Mina, where outside of the haram. Today we call it Mina. It's out, outside of haram. Mm. Two things. One was poetry and the other one was wrestling. Yeah, poetry when they would all get together and they would like they would just um, they say bust rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like brother, these people were able to come up with five hundred buyut of like five hundred lines of poetry there and then. Like the Quraysh, nobody came to a level of manipulating sound like the Quraysh. Cut like in the history of mankind, they reached pinnacle. Just like the Qawm of Musa salam, reached pinnacle of magic, the Qawm of Isa reached pinnacle of uh, medicine, and coincidentally the prophets came in those areas, and their miracles were in those areas. Why? So the people can see the truth from the haq from batil. Because if you know something, you can't pull the wool over my eyes if I'm an expert in archery. Mm. You can't. I know archery so well that if I see a miracle, I'll say, that, Khalas, that's a miracle. Mm. I can tell. So Prophet ﷺ, who did he come to? To the Quraysh, who were the best manipulators of sound, best linguists to ever walk the earth. When they stood on a podium, 1,000 one bait of poem, poetry, they were able to just off the cuff. No preparation. The second one was wrestling. The, the wrestling, you could find the likes of Khalid ibn al-Walid, Sayyidina Hamza, the best the best champion to ever grace the battlefield, Sayyidina Hamza. Sayyidina Hamza used to wrestle 
They say, with who? He didn't only wrestle men. He wrestled lions, beasts. Now, only, you know when we see uh, Habib. Habib, he wrestled bear. Yeah. There is a inherent, and what you were saying, you, to help you understand, there is an inherent, like kind of a mind-blown event when you realize that prey is wrestling, prey is wrestling predator. Mm. Yeah. And the prey is trying to subdue predator without harming. But the predator is trying to kill. So like self Get self that. defense. Basically this is beyond no? self defense. Okay. This is a whole different level of martial arts. We cannot comprehend. Sayyidina Hamza was was wrestler of beasts. So that means this man it goes to a thing that will try and kill him and he's there not trying to kill it, but still pinning it. <laughs> Get that. Yeah. Sayyidina Hamza, Sayyidina Omar, you see all the Sayyidina Khalid bin Abdul, Rukana, the story of Rukana is well known, maybe not as well known as it should be, but they were all there for wrestling. Very interesting. Why? Why those two things? Because the conversation we're having today, the conversation between men, the conversation of manipulating sound is underset or underlined by the conversation of manipulating body. Because you and I are only able to have a civil conversation because we know what can happen if we don't. Because we can wrestle. And there's no argument after wrestle match. You pin, Yeah, done. of course, yeah, yeah. That's why that's the origin of language is actually physical. And that's why also it goes back to Allah. What does that mean? If we bring it back to Allah. Because Allah Ta'ala, He speaks but not in the physical. We are limited to physical. Allah is beyond this. That's why we can't comprehend or understand. We speak with vocal cords. Allah doesn't have an organ. Allah does not need anything. Comprehending this and understanding these different factors is very important. It's in the essence of a, of a Muslim's belief, our belief system. Because we are limited even in our communication. We're limited we in, in our life. You know? Mm. When you live it, when you experience it. Anyway, we, we went off on a tangent. I'd like to know the story of Rokana. We'll, like we'll get to that. We'll you get, get to there? That. But where were we going? So you had your knee injury, so you were doing BJJ. Yeah, but you asked me a question. Why? Why? wrestling or something yeah. like that well it's it's more of because you it was it was your main thing but then we we try to see because you started archery but then how did how you did you mix the two question that's why I went uh, it was marksmanship that's what he asked yeah, yeah marksmanship. marksmanship yeah so that was like the three mm. three things to teach four. Four? four the number four is very important not from astronomical, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in our deen, number four keeps coming up. Lucky to the one who has insight. When you see a tree, certain people see a tree, and they see, oh, I, I have someone, a very dear student of mine. He's, uh, he does gardening, that's his job, he maintains. He 
because I see work. Because I got to prune. I <laughs> he looks at trees, he's pruning. Another person, carpenter, sees good wood. I can make arrows from it. Like Isam, he saw the pine trees next to the new uh, archery ascension when we were preparing. He goes, look at these pine. They're straight. They'll make beautiful arrows. Oh, wow. He look, he sees that. Vision. Vision. Other people, they see, wow, you know, the bark or something else, mm. all the colors. But the one who really pays attention, he sees the greatness of Allah, the creator of that tree. Mm. So the number four is very important. And you will see that Muhammad Ishaq is big on number four as well. Obviously, mashallah, he's taught us a lot. And he mentions also that uh, number four is when things get into the physical realm. Number three is when they are concepts. Number two is opposites, usually, when you look at it. And number one is uh, Allah is not like a number one, but he is the only one. Mm. Mm. And number four is when things get into the physical realm. What I didn't understand, my idea of why is number four important, my strength coach told me, Kashi Azad, he's Iranian background, Persian. Pahlevan, he does Persian yoga. The yeah. Shout out to him. Hopefully, you'll get him on the podcast. Inshallah. But um, he. It's how the Persians used to train back in the days. Ustaz brought the things to the camp and he showed us how the Persians would train thousands of years ago. And Burak went through some of it. We can post some of the videos. Very intense. Yeah, demanding. And it's functional training compared to like when you go to the gym. Like these are movements you'd use in everyday life. Okay, so strengthening yeah. yourself Longevity. in some of the weaker positions yes. that you'd see in the gym. Then you're outside, you're able to hold weight in certain, you know. That should be something you start with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You are a runner, so you understand the importance of longevity. Beginner, yeah. You, but you feel, you. Yeah. when we talk about longevity, you immediately went to the right button. You didn't go, oh, how heavy. You you, your mind went to longevity. Mm. This, this shows that you are with the fitra, not against it. Because when you're with the fitra, after doing the exercise... I was speaking to a very dear friend of mine, yeah, yes, just earlier, and he was saying because when you go with the fitra, it's natural. When you go against the fitra, you feel like tatadayak, and you mm. feel like it's yeah. not working. Yeah. That's why we work out. I used to work when I used to train. They used to work out till you physically vomit. Mm. You used to train that hard. Yeah, it's they push you. You have like a bucket yeah, and, yeah. and continue <laughs> go. Because it's your body saying, hey, I had enough. Please stop. This is my ref reflux yeah. happening. This is not the way you're supposed to train. It's not Fitri. The Fitri way is the Dagestani way. Why? Because they focus on volume. They train a little bit, but over a long period. And then when they really wrestle, they go hard. But they don't go hard all the time. Mm. Yeah. So a Persian uh, or the Pahlevani arts are not just uh, limited to Iran or Persia. They were trained all across. If you draw a line from India, across Iran, all the stand countries, to Turkey, to the Balkans, you will see a constant. In their training, in their warfare, in their... A lot of things in culture. And uh, Ustad Kashi, he's, uh, he's taught me the value of the number four. Ustad Muhammad taught me the value of number four. What do you mean when Even it's my one, two, me three, four... What are these things you're talking about? Well, I didn't get it. So, Ustad Kashi says, the number, because in Persian yoga, they call it Persian yoga, we don't call it Persian yoga, really. He calls it Persian yoga because of 
Australian Today's understanding. Yeah. I had one brother. He goes, I was invited to yoga, brother, but I did not expect <laughs> this. <laughs> this is not yoga. He's <laughs> like, yeah, because it's not yoga. <laughs> but um, it's just for Australian people to understand. He called mm. it like that. The original name is Pahlevane, and it's practiced in some way called Zurhane. Zur, strength, and Hane is house. So the house of strength. Because strength differentiates between good and evil. Through strength, the, the evil is stripped and the good is exposed. Mm -hmm. And through weakness, is uh, evil attained. Evil comes on weakness mm. and good comes on strength. Yeah? So house of strength. He said four is important because in Zurhane, the seven arts, one of them is beating the drum. The seventh art, sixth is beating the drum. Seventh is actual wrestling. And when you beat the drum, they always do four count. The beat itself, the measure of the beat mm -hmm. is always four count, four count, four count. So we start because they stress on ten men training with ten men, ten men reporting to ten men, reporting to ten men, reporting to the sultan. That's the model, right? Okay. And they train together, they live together, they eat together. You know, they form real bonds. And when they train, they train to a beat of the drum. But the, the crux of it isn't so that their movement are the same. Because initially you want the same movement. Mm. Next one is same breath. Breathing is so important. And you will feel me. I know you do. And the third is unification of the heart. So the heartbeats become one. This is elite level, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. This is like when you push as, as a unit of 10, you're really pushing as 10 as one. That's where the quality comes in. Because it's when when one man says get up, everybody gets up. When one man says sit down, everybody. In order. And then of course number four, Muhammad Ishaq, mashallah, the temperament, the great work he's doing. But it wasn't until I rocked up to my doctors. He is a cardiology cardiology for heart, cardiology. Yeah, cardiologist. Yeah. 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 He said, Mister Karat, and he took a model of the heart. And he, you know, he opened the heart like this. And he goes, the heart has four chambers. SubhanAllah. And then he continued talking to me. But I did not remember half of what he said. <laughs> yeah. I was just, yeah. I had that Focused moment. On, yeah. All those crumbs that were left, all those dots that were left connected in instant. Because mm. I had Kashi, I had my drum teacher, I had other people all coming. At, and I didn't get it. Why is four important? Then I got it. Um. Because it has everything to do with the heart. It's the opt and he Kashi said later because it's the optimal beat for the for the rhythm of the heart in exercise. It's the optimal beat when you're learning horsemanship. It's the optimal beat when you're doing the kit. It's the optimal every optimal beat in everything. Four mm -hmm. cardinal di directions, four seasons, everything fits. So it's not that you are going into astronomy. It's just that you are paying attention to that tree that we spoke about before. Are you looking at the tree? Or what are you looking at? What is Allah trying to tell you? Mm. Mm. Oh, Sorry, I want to know, in your fitness journey, when did you start to develop this and find this out? As I said, how does it, it was as if all these moments led me to this today. It wasn't a... Well, for that, that particular thing, it was the time that I was, that I was in, doc in that cardiologist place. Yeah. So everything came together in... That one moment. And then things opened up. 
sometimes you have things in front of you, but you don't see them. Yeah, that's true. They are right there. But it involves a trauma for you to see sometimes. Yeah, because you yeah. actively are seeking for something. You're looking for something. And that's where you're a bit more open to taking things in, in front of you. It's because nobody ever grew in comfort. You can't grow in comfort. Even when you are grow you you are fairly young. You would remember the time when you had your go- growth spurt as men, your bones hurt. You're growing, but your bones hurt. Mm. You can't grow in comfort. So pain is a great teacher. So when I was in pain, my heart, all this came together and all the ha- hadith. Like I, I had a condition, blood condition. In my misery, I completely forgot the hadith of Sahabat Sauda. And the old man, he's African. He came, he goes, my father taught me, because his father was Hachim. He was a do- do- herbal person who knew about nature and how to treat. But he was prophetic. He goes, son, do you not remember the hadith of Habba Sauda, Hab Shifa? Mm. That all the cure is in Hab Shifa except yeah. death. Then what? That's what stuck with me. Because yeah. I was in pain and misery. Then I remember. Like when you go on a, in a bush and you have a great time, nothing goes wrong, you haven't got any stories to say. But when sure. you almost lost your life or lost your car or you had something that went terribly wrong, everybody remembers that time. Exactly. It's in our nature that we are wired in such a way. Through that, we learn most. When there is an event that kind of yeah. close call, you're like, Mm, you remember that time? Da, 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 da. Exactly. It's like, like the the black seed oil, like you said. It's one thing to, you know, acquire the knowledge, hear about it, but then the moment of apl- having to apply it, that's where it actually is instilled yes. in your lifestyle. That's why there's two types of intelligence: intelligence of the in- intellect, in, in inter- bra- brain, and the other one is intelligence of the body. Two types of intellect: intellect of the mind and intellect of the body. That's why Arabs had poets and wrestlers. Because you express yeah. your intellect in different ways. Ustad Burak, phenomenal. He, he is a, a, a specimen that is extreme intellect in body. You ask him about memorizing Quran, like Khalid ibn al-Walid, he did not know much Quran. He didn't memorize much of it. But brother, he was unmatched in the area of intellect of body. No, but like... He was above and beyond other Sahaba who were much more advanced in the intellect, the poets, mm. the scholars, and others. There's two wings to the bird. That's why the ulema used to have, you know, turban in the past, in Ottoman period. They would carry a turban, and on the left side they would let a cloth hang. And that cloth was called Tailasan. And it was the significance of connecting the mind to the heart. That was, it was a reminder for them. You understand? Yeah. You can't be all in the mind and you can't be all in the body. You have to balance. Yeah. I think one thing in our society you do see as well, like of course it's it's good you see people they go study abroad and they come back to, you know, give more knowledge away as well. But then it's not balancing the two of like you said, mind and body. And I see mashallah like you're doing it through archery. Mm. So was was it for you like you is this where you wanted to figure out how you can balance the two of mind and body? With teaching and you know creating your own academy, and s- kind of seeing a vision of archery, not just doing it for your personal benefit or character. 
I was a leaf in the wind. It's as if all the moments in my life led me to today. No planning. This is what it is. You just mm. How about going abroad? Like we know you went to Turkey for four months to study archery. Did you you obviously must have been in love with um Ottoman archery before then? Did you just want to go and get better at archery? Is that yeah. why you went? I was talking to the same dear friend earlier. I was saying uh, we were talking about journey. You know, everybody wants to know, and it's a reflection of you guys. What your guys' hunger to do something like that. But what I found is n- that I I did not get anywhere by planning. You know, the state of a people will not change. Until they change within themselves, yeah. Okay. We spoke about four. We spoke about the body. The leader of the body is the heart. Leader of the intellect is mind, brain, correct? The state doesn't change by talking, correct? He didn't say by if they talk, but if they change. And the leader of change is what? What is the thing that changes all the time? You understand what I'm saying? Mm, the heart. The heart was called heart in Arabic. Arabic is brother. There's no language like Arabic. Yeah. Because of the amount of change that happens in it, it's a place of change. And the heart shows us how to change is through movement. If a heart stops or spasms, oof, you die. Mm. Or you go into AF, a fibrillation that, I'm not a doctor, but if your heart has a cramp, they have to reset it. If it stops, they have to f- push it physically to pump, otherwise you die. So the key of it is movement. The key isn't thought. The key is action. And action comes from what? Movement. Mm. And the best teacher of movement is your heart. What did the Prophet say? There's an organ in the body. If it's straight, if it's correct, meaning it pumps properly, then everything is straight. But if it doesn't, everything is crook. To every hadith, there's a, there's a mind and a body attached to it. Even the heart. So the heart has two states. The state of kabd, the state of bust. When it's in kabd, it's taking. In bust, it's pushing. If you want to go and seek something, if you want to grow, you will not grow by taking. You will grow by giving. So that's why the hand, if it's always like this, it's not good. If it's always like that, it's not good. But when you move it, that's, that's a good hand. Right? So, we deduct from that. If I want to grow, I must give before I take. So that journey isn't about just me, 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 me. It's about how can I take steps to benefit, be beneficial to others. And through that, then Allah sends people. So going back, I went off on a tangent again. Bring me back. So in Turkey, I went, I booked a trip. And you were married, you had kids at this time? Yeah, mom, I 
yeah, I was married. I had a four, or three or four months off. Because at that time, my boss came to me. He goes, look, Ami, I want to move. And you're the first person I'm speaking to. Uh, would you move with me? I was like, yeah. When? Where? Because I was working for people, not company. Like, if if you are invested me in me, I'm going to be invested in. Like, yeah, it's fair. a person thing. But relationship. Company is not as important as people. It's true, yeah. And... Uh, I said, okay, but I have one condition. I want six months off. I want to go travel with my family because my kids were was under, what, two, two years old. And I said, I'm never going to get this again. Once they start school, I'll be locked into school holidays, mm. etc. I said, I want to I wanna go. And he said, done, no problem. I'll be waiting for you when you're back. So long story short, I went, my wife went to, my wife is from Serbistan, from Serbia. And she went to her parents and I went to Turkey. <laughs> so she was happy. Mm. Kids were happy. I went f- and we d- went back and forth to Turkey a uh, few times in that, in, that, in, in that time. Long story short, first time I went, I booked a hotel, closed my eyes and picked. In that sort of manner. And subhanAllah, I went there not knowing. I had an idea who to talk to somehow. But I didn't know where they were. I didn't, it was just a Facebook message saying, hey, I would like to visit. Okay, it didn't come back to me. I said, you know what? I'm going to go and knock on his door. And I went, booked a hotel. Turned out that the hotel was three minutes away from his, he's a, he's a dentist. Three minutes away from his uh, office where he does his practice. And, it w- and then he, when he met me, he said, you know, it's quite handy where you booked. I said, why? He goes, because the Harbiya Museum, the museum that I'm supposed to hang out in most, is like t- five minute walk. Wow. I was like, that's awesome. So everything lined up. So if you want to, uh, rather than planning, go walk, take action, and see what Allah has in store for you mm. by seeing if the right people come to support and you on your journey. And if your journey becomes uh, taysir, as the Arabs have a beautiful word, taysir. If it has taysir, that's why they say, uh, the calligraphy teachers, the dua that she wrote was phenomenal. Rabbi yasir, wala atwasir, Rabbi tamim bil khair. She blew my mind on, uh, that was my highlight of, the, of that uh, retreat. SubhanAllah. The way that the things that she said, her English wasn't great, but the one who wants to understand understood. Mm. So taysir happens. You take that first step. If you don't have a sheikh, if you don't have a mentor, be Start taking actions. Allah will send people. Allah will send the right person to you. You just move. Don't sit. Mm. You don't just plan. Take steps. Don't be afraid. Good sailors are never made in port. Go. <laughs> yeah. There has to be a, an element of risk. And what's the worst that can happen, really, when you take action and it you doesn't You fail happen. and you learn. Exactly. That's why bravery is important. And bravery is taught through wrestling. Because mm. wrestling teaches the heart mm. and tempers ghadab or anger. Archery tempers the mind or brain. And it tempers the mind. Horse husbandry and horsemanship tempers the stomach and the desire. Yeah? Running and swimming. Tilawat al 
It's all connected. And these are the four ibadat that are key. When you look at Islam, your daily Islam, these are four key attributes, mm. four key ibadat that you are constantly, and you should constantly um, give zakat. What zakat? You are more working with money, brother. There's no gold. There's no. I'm not working with dates. Yeah, but you have zakat of your skills. Ustad Burak mentioned this. I was hit for six, brother. I was gone. And he said, he goes, this is my zakat of my skill. I have to give zakat of what I know, portion of it, for free. Look at the beauty of that. Mm. And you remember I asked, where did you get this? is so beautiful. All beauty comes from who? All beauty that we know, everything that's beautiful, everything that's knowledge is from Allah. We are only custodians of that knowledge. I'm a container that has a soul on a journey somewhere. I'm a soul that has a container. And that container can be filled with knowledge. All knowledge is belongs to Allah and to Allah. We will, all that knowledge will return. And I asal of everything. Um, it's up to us if we take that knowledge with us to our grave or make it eternal by teaching. Meaning, make it in our good words, uh, good yeah. deeds. Like you said, um, when you acquire the knowledge, it's not just for yourself. It's mm. to give the people around you. It's two-way street. Mm. You can't just take, take, take. You have to give and take. Mm. Very important. Mm. Let's let's go back to so Turkey. So the, the gist of just to hopefully I'm mis- I'm not saying wrong or anything. So your schedule was basically like an art- archery experience. You were there for about four months, if I'm not mistaken. No, I was on and off for four, num- four okay. months. But what happened, I just gelled with my teacher quite well. And it, it happened to be one of the it happened to be the one of the pioneers of archery. And he just basically unloaded on me. It was like intensive. Take as much as you can from me. Yeah. It just it, it was truly a very surreal experience. And was your goal to go to Turkey to learn archery? Yeah. Like, okay. Then I ended up also in Nokchalarwa. I was clocking about eight hours a day on archery. My thumb was gone. And then I ended up competing in the Conquest Cup because I was invited. The whole story is like very surreal because they booked out and uh, one of my teachers, another teacher that taught me about horses in Uzbek archery, is, it's a gym called Maviat. I had to travel three hours to get to the dream gym to train and three hours back because it was outside of Istanbul. I didn't have a car. Um... I think it was three modes of transport, train, bus, like it was crazy. Wow. But again, if you suffer, when I'm there, brother, when, when I suffered so much to get there, the teacher, the teacher's knowledge, I will be a magnet for it. I will become a yeah. magnet for knowledge. Why? Because I charged myself through suffering, through juhud, through strives, trying, you know, if you go and uh, invite your next door neighbor, uh, let's go to the masjid. It's not the same as if you go to five kilometers away and knock on someone's door by foot. Let's go to the masjid. You understand? Th- your eyes will tell a different story to that five kilometer away guy than mm. to the guy next door. Yeah, because the effort you're putting in ah. for that knowledge. Yeah. Hidayah is not measured by talent or knowledge or anything measured by your ability to sacrifice 
what you have dear to you and work, movement. Hidayah is measured by that. And Hidayah may come next to you or can be on the other side of the world. What, what is important is that we work. Mm-hmm. So, why did I say Maviat? Because you did the, ah, the he said, "Oh, come to Conquest Cup. Conquest Cup was completely booked, and everybody's saying, no, you know, Turks very hierarchical, very military culture. Like this is the way it is. This is how it's going to be. That's it. And if you g- go from that, you are like either have bad. Like if you have a teacher that is very like that, they would look at this as bad manners. Unless your teacher is a bit uh, fiery, they'll be like." Hmm, got spunk he's got something about him mm. come here let me see if i can challenge that channel that i was lucky because the person that saw me he was like fire i was like hmm he's got you know spirit yeah he's like can i can i somehow get in there he's like you know what brother there was a cancellation last minute we put you in it's cool of I mean, allah it's from allah yeah, exactly i ended up repeating long story short back and forth back and forth and uh all of this was um motivated because I used to teach archery in a very casual and a very loose manner, compound archery, on my farm in Brinjali. So brothers would come, we would have breakfast, we would pay, pray shuruq, the salat duha, and then start archery. It was very nice, wow. lovely. Uh, you know, I had a little granny flat at the back. Mm. We did archery and... Um, that farm got uh, taken because there was a road upgrade and they built a road through my through my bedroom, literally. Through. There was an overpass, so we didn't have a place to do archery. And subhanAllah, it's, it's as if, like I said, every moment led me to that. I said, we need, we need a place to practice now. I moved to suburbia and i feeling claustrophobic, mm. not used to this life. I felt like I was sick of right angles. I needed some nature. Because in nature, you don't find much right angle. Every in city, everything is in <laughs> so box so and a so right angle. So what was the area you moved to? And when was this? So I was in Brinjali, in Sydney. That's uh, out west. Just to paint a picture. So mm. And then I moved to a newly estate, Edmondson Park, okay. which is like cookie-cutter homes mm. next yeah, to each other. Different. You can hear your neighbor physically. When they do something in their okay, toilets yes. <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah, very close. <laughs> Different. Mm. And then we ended up in a one place. And from that place, we went to another bigger place. From that place, we went to another bigger place. And that's why I was saying to Archery Ascension, they, they got me to speak a little bit, kind of motivate them. I was saying every move was better. Every move was always to the better. Allah closes one door wrestling for me open another do archery because I was meant for that mm. so don't think that you know best if you want to make dua to Allah oh Allah I want to get to Melbourne so you make dua Allah give me car what do you know <laughs> oh Allah give me bike or good shoes yeah Allah get me to Melbourne how Allah you know best you are the best of planners how can I be better planner than you Allah get me there Allah I need to go there for to serve you oh Allah help me Rabbi Yasir. Make Taisir for me. Mm. That's the dua. We don't know how to make dua. So we end up over planning, overthinking. That's the problem. A lot of us are all in the mind, not in the body. 
what we're trying to establish is that connection again. And the best of teachers is Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He taught those things from uh, to the Sahaba from four angles. The angle of swimming and running, angle of horse husbandry and horsemanship, the angle of archery and the angle of wrestling. Because through those things, those things can't be taught in classrooms. Like today's classroom or books mm. or masjid. Because our masjids have changed. In the time of Rasulullah the masjid was a place of wrestling. They would wrestle in the masjid. No problem with kids wrestling and sahaba wrestling. Mm. It was a common thing. That's why Dagestanis, they have a culture The men talk, even in Bosnia. Men will sit to talk and kids wrestling. in Like I- here, in f- there's no table. Kids wrestling. Mm. Normal. Today, if kids wrestle, oh, no, 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 stop him. Yeah, Please, yeah. don't. Oh, he didn't mean it, brother. Did he hurt your kid? Yeah, I don't mm. understand this. Even the idea of like, you know, they're making a bit of noise and all this little stuff, like let alone wrestling. Like, what uh, the culture has changed over time. The Ottomans had a slogan in their classroom. They would say, that written on the wall, this was their motto. Get this. No bird here in this classroom. No bird will be judged to, on its ability to swim. No fish will be judged on its ability to fly. Some kids are naturally in the body. Yeah. You can't force them in the mind. That's why I diagnose them now with ADHD and autism and all these different kind of labels. Mm. They're not, their intellect is not here. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the heart. Yeah. He's a Umar, he's a Khalid, he's a Hamza, he's a Rukana. That's why their conversions required touch. How did Omar radiallahu anhu convert? When? Who pinned him? When he was coming to Rasulullah Sayyidina Hamza was present. And what did Hamza say about Sayyidina Omar? Sayyidina Omar, when he would carry the Sahaba, they would carry swords on their neck. What does that mean? There's only two cultures who carried, warrior cultures, who carried sword on their neck. Meaning? They carried it on their back. Mm, so they're ready. No, actually it's more ready here. It's quicker to draw here. Then why why from the neck? There's only two cultures who carried on the neck. It was the ninjas mm. and the sahaba. No other warrior culture carried on their back. Neck means back. Because okay. you hang it here, around the neck. Mm. It doesn't mean here. It's not logical. Mm. It's here. Yeah, so what did he was coming, and when Sayyidina uh, Omar used to walk with his sword around his neck, get out, move, like don't be on his path, because then your neck is gonna. <laughs> get yeah, sword. yeah, yeah. Very dangerous. So once Sahabi came, Sayyidina Omar, uh, Omar is coming and he's carrying sword on his neck. Neck. Hamza said. He's coming for peace through Ahlan wa Sahlan. Come. But if he's coming for war, I will kill him, meaning I will slaughter him with his own sword. Like this term, here alone is like a whole lecture from a wrestling perspective. For someone like Omar, to s- for someone like Hamza radiallahu anh, to say that about Omar, who was known for his weapon, big deal. But get this, when Omar walks in, 
who is the first to get up? The Prophet. And he's the first to. What does Burak say? Mashallah, Burak is beautiful. He goes, mm. This. Yeah. He immediately went in for it, grabbed him, and he pinned him standing. He pinned him. I imagine getting shook by the Prophet. Imagine he, go, he shook him, pinned, shook, said, Isn't it time, Ya Omar, that you embrace Islam? Omar becomes Muslim. The shart was the touch. For Omar, he needed the touch. Physical. Others, logical. They need proof. They need because Arabs understood proof from the Quran. Yeah. They could see the miracle because of their linguistics. Omar needed touch. He was that type. You see, in this 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 day and age as well, like with our community, certain people don't know what connects with them more. Like touch, for example, would connect with more brothers, but then it's finding finding the place, I guess, as well, the people. Would you say? Again. So, like you're saying, so for example, Omar, with with the touch, he he connects more with the touch than he does with maybe words. Yeah. Yeah. So certain people, even now in our our communities. Like connect more with touch, like with you know grappling. There's a reason why they 100%. gravitate towards these type of sports, and that's where it's like people need to start at least figuring out what works for them. How you asking me how? How I'm do they? I'm just saying out? how like the community. Yeah, I'll say how actually. Yeah. Where do you apply touch? Where do you apply? Yeah, like how them? how do you even? Yeah, where do you apply them? Because for me, how do you navigate? Exactly, because I personally don't gravitate towards BJJ. And, but the thing is, I haven't given it a proper shot as well. So it's like, how do you navigate that? Yeah. It's very interesting. Up to number four. But to get to the essence, number four is four temperaments. Every temperament has an art. Okay. And every art, for a fiery person, it's heart. It's definitely wrestling. Comfort and discomfort. That's them. Like, Anyone fire, they need to have a goal and they need to tell them, you know, yeah. you will get my love if you get this. Mm. You will get my appreciation if you do that. And kids are the same and everything works. Mm. Um, air, horses, same way. Why? Because they are animals. A horse has 21 facial expressions. Yeah? Where do horses come from? Open fields. Open field, desert, land, yeah. like, like where yeah. they can see in front. So horses are not communicators by sound at all. They are communicators of visual, so showing their state by face, or physical. You see a horse, it will, it will do the. It projects energy. Excellent at projecting energy, right? Earth archery. Methodical. Consistent, precise. Water, swimming and running. Now to bring it back. This is the madrasa of Rasulullah. This is not my own or yours or anyone else's. This is what he said to do. In, Sayyidina, uh, in uh, uh, Sahih Bukhari, there's a chapter called Babri Maya. We spoke about marksmanship. In certain cases, marksmanship. But he actually specifically mentioned Archery. So much that Ulema said it's Fard Kifaya. SubhanAllah. 
he specifically mentioned wrestling so much. And Oroda, the place today we wrestle to go and pray, was known more there for its wrestling than prayer. And Imam Suyuti wrote that famous book, Musara ila al-Musara. Imam Suyuti is kind of a big deal. He's very well-known alim. He's one of the most cl brilliant classical minds of uh, Islam. He wrote many books, and he's known as a class. He's in those, uh, what they call in wrestling, he's a goat. Yeah, he's the guy. You know, one of those very high-level ulema. He wrote a book on Musara. Meaning to Musara ila al-Musara. Horses. Prophet said, so many ahadith. His horses were known by name. By the exact description, we had exact description of his horse. All horses. We had description of the way he rode. The temperament of his riding. He would bring the best out of a horse. Horses teach you physical things. That's why he said, the one who can rear a horse can raise a child. Why are children so important? They don't speak up to seven. You can't use language. You can't use language with your newborn or with a toddler or with a kid. Limited. It's not the right way, right mode. Not the modus operandi. The modus operandi is your energy projection and hey, <laughs> that. But then after seven, it becomes discipline. And after that, 14 plus below, it becomes friendship, murafaqa. You can't do much more after that. So would you? S no, not would you say, but like, what's so when do? You, how do you? How do I know who is that? Who is this? Is by learning the four arts. Okay. Horses will teach you about physical communication. Mm. It sounds like though, because I haven't heard about that. If you can, sorry, if I probably said it wrong. If you can teach a horse, you can. If you can rear a horse, rear a horse. you can raise children. Yeah. Like raise a child. So the word for in Arabic, and Arabic is such a wonderful language. Furusiyah comes from what word? Firas. Yes. The, the word for knowing horses comes from the same word for knowing men. Mm. Insight. Horses give you insight. That's why when the Prophet ﷺ walks in the masjid and sees Halakat of great, like great Sahaba, like the elite of the Sahaba, like Sayyidina Omar, Sayyidina Ali, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, like big. He sees a boy on the side, he r goes like an arrow to the boy, goes straight, like armed, like the, his steps were not wandering. He went with purpose to the boy, described, grabbed him, like held him, not by in a harsh way. I held him in a strong way and said, Wallahi inni uhibbuk. Wallahi inni uhibbuk. Wallahi inni uhibbuk. Yeah, okay, cool. I get it. I see a boy in the message. I woke up and do that and I make a fool of myself. How did he know it was true? Because the horse will teach you when you look at it, when you look at a person, you read their state. Words don't matter. Words don't matter in a state. because You're reading the state. You're not reading what they're saying. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Sign off. Are you okay? Mm. Give it 30 seconds. Hold the room. And then you just see. You would, you'd say that with, mo if not all your relationships as well with people, you know, with your parents, with your spouse, with 
Bro, horse taught me more than about children and my wife, like beyond. more than anything else. Because it sounds like it emphasizes the importance of basically everyone at least not having a good foundation mm. before taking on, you know. You are on a horse. Next. A beast that can kill you. It's letting you be under the principle of a horse and desire. And why do we say fasting? Is because you are look taking care of the horse outside of the saddle so the horse can take care of you in the saddle. So you are showing care and give feeding the horse and giving, putting it before you on the ground so that it can put you ahead of it in the saddle. Mm-hmm. That's the concept. But then this horse can kill you, literally. A horse with one shot, of course. it can kill. But it lets you on its back. And now, get this. You're on the horse. Okay, horse, go. You don't have that luxury. You, don't ca- you can't talk. The horse does not respond to sound. How do, you co- how do you tell this horse, go, stop, turn left, turn right? How? And you don't have the luxury of language. How? Physical. Physical. Your energy, yeah. your breathing. You become one with the physical means. Do this. Because I heard it can even like sense your confidence and self-esteem. It is the biggest BS reader of all animals. <laughs> you can't be fake around horse. It sees right through you. Yeah, that's amazing. I felt that too. Because like uh, in my... Uh, beginner horsemanship classes it's one of those things where you're like i'm not scared of a horse you know what i mean like people walk out it's like like, what's the worst it's gonna do and then there was one of the horses and omar was telling us like pretty much tell the horse to do this but when you get to near the back of the horse the side of the horse you realize how big it is and that it can hurt you it feels that fear and i'm telling it to do something and omar goes you're not really telling it you're just like can you do this you gotta tell it, and if you're not, if you don't have your heart in it, it's not gonna listen to you. Commit, mm. and a child will read you as well, just like a horse. Mm. If a child knows that, that's why all the, like a lot of children, when you know how to project your energy, a child obeys you, and then people are like we gotta get him more often in our house. He, they're listening. No, it's not me. It's not me. It's everything is the baraka of Rasulullah. Everything. If you follow him, Allah will show you the way. Allah will give you azza. Allah will give you sharaf. But if you don't follow him, because brother, without Rasulullah, we are zero. The other day, a brother said the condition of uh, what is the condition of Islam is la ilaha illallah. No, it's incomplete. Condition of Islam is La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. Mm. Without Muhammad Rasulullah, you, you and I wouldn't be Muslim. True. Mm. If you leave that out, you're gone. Mm. Yeah. You're led astray. Uh, can we touch on maybe like the summer sport of swimming? Because I feel like with the four disciplines, We'll say BJJ martial arts is normally spoken about the most, and people don't know as much about marksmanship and horsemanship. But then, for Ali and I, when we're talking about swimming, we have no because the Prophet ﷺ lived in the desert, 
we don't really know much about we think like when did they ever swim we th- so we don't understand that sunnah discipline as much i'd say the least w- would you be able to speak to us about that maybe answer some questions on it when we mention swimming we have to mention running because they come together islam is a practical religion and it's meant for the world every prophet came to the nation except muhammad salam, but he came to all inns and jinn correct so it's a whole it's nobody set up their life better than him and no no will they ever nobody so swimming and running must be mentioned in the same breath because and breath um because if you can't swim you can run no excuse and a lot less people know about running than actually swimming so running is the one that most people say oh i didn't know that i've never heard any correlation with these two like that it's a form of ibadah or something encouraged yeah. mm-hmm. there's a story about uh, i forgot the sahabi's name he tracked the mushrikeen that came and they took someone hostage ran on horse and he followed them on foot he was known to be a good archer and a good runner he chased them down on foot and this we don't understand horse foot you don't get it but we are the only bipedal in animal kingdom get this watch the tree you and I are the only bipedal in animal kingdom. That is because Allah gave us a sense of what? Balance. We have a sense, inherent, physical sense of balance. Because we are upright. And the word for haram is an archery term. In Quran, khataya is used for sin. The original, the word for sin, khataya. But it's an archery term because it means too much of something, too little of something, too far to the left or too far to the right. Mm. So in having balance in, in even your spirituality is important. But get this, in a physical world, there's nothing that can outrun a human. In the animal kingdom, long term. Mm. There's no four-legged animal can, that can outrun a human being. Why? Because they will overheat. We're designed in a way we don't overheat because we are like this. Get that? Mm. So in the past, the deer would look back at it and they would just see this mm. person just chasing. They'd bolt, stop, look back, and in the distance, they see somebody just keep coming. keep Until they get to a stage, they just give up. Yeah. So he chased them down. There's a stories and stories. He ran with his family. He Sahaba constantly had um, running bouts. Constantly. It was a common thing like wrestling. So on the way back, after he was the hero and he, he caught up to them, uh, captured alone. Like this man was something else. On the way back, and it was mentioned, there's a types of a hadith that have to do with elite Sahaba. And one of the biggest elite Sahaba group was the riders of the same beast as Rasulullah. And the most prolific and the most kind of juicy hadith came from when he was riding with someone on the same beast. Mm. 
And it was men and women. It wasn't just men and men. There was a girl who was riding the same beast as him. She got her hide out of the haybah of Rasulullah. She got embarrassed. So they took her off. And Prophet then went on to explain the rules of hide. So she, it went from an embar embarrassing moment for her to the most shut off moment because she is now the source of majority of knowledge on this topic. Mm -hmm. Allah blessed her through something that's actually quite embarrassing. Mm. On the way back, this warrior and Rasulullah they were riding the same beast, talking. Like Rasulullah knew when to bring people, and he had that insight. So he said, Come ride with me. I'm so I'm so happy from you. To pr to please him, to give him a reward, come ride, come join the elite club. Ride on my camel. Come with me. They rode. And one of the Sahaba, young, spunk, you know, has got that fire. Ya Rasulullah, I want to ra race you to Medina. And th this man, after having chased horsemen down, he said, Ya Rasulullah, if you allow me, if you allow me, he said, yeah, go. And then that is documented in, de in detail. Their race is documented. They said that the challenger was let to run ahead. And the, the champion who, after running all this time, please excuse us, I forgot the name. Inshallah, we remember. On the way back, the challenger was ahead all the time. And what did the, the guy who just ran a marathon, he said, I just kept him in eyesight, like close, so I can see him. And he kept that pace. He goes, until I saw Medina. And then I, he hit it. Mm. And on the way there, I tapped him on the back <laughs> and said, see you. <laughs> he goes, this is how, you, this running teaches you about pacing. It teaches you mental game. It teaches you so much. But it only teaches a person who can see beyond that. Or should I say, it teaches only the one who sees beyond the physical. Physical. Yeah. Because running for me personally, I only started getting into it this year. Mm. And I started to recognize, because it started to become a popular thing in fitness community, I guess so. Like people recognizing gym and running, at least balancing the two with cardio and physical exertion. But then I, I personally just started to see more than just the physical and the mental benefits and also like, just the therapeutic side to it there's i guess there's more to it that i would love to find more knowledge about one of the reasons why we brought i came onto this episode to find out but that and also swimming so swimming personally for me you know it's something you do when you're younger as well mm. but it's something i do want to start again and also become at it like a very high level mm -hmm. so where does where does swimming come in so there's many a hadith again on swimming Prophet learned to swim in the wells of Banu Najjar at the age of six. By the way, Arabic word for sibaha, do you know what, what the root word? Sibaha and tasbih have the same root word. Get that. Mind blown. 
and the lungs are the most important organ for this art. I've never met a hafiz that hasn't got a good breath hold. Two things for hafiz. Like every hafiz I've met, a hafiz Quran, mushaf in his chest, proper hafiz. Right? I've never met one that isn't good looking. First of all, his face is equal. Like, it's not yeah. symmetrical. Why? Because of the exercise of the letters and the tilawatul Quran. And second, when I got into diving and swimming, I've never met a hafiz or someone that is in a lover of Quran, a, a friend of, like, someone who, who, who befriends or spends time, should I say, probably better word, with Quran a lot, that hasn't got his breath hold right. He knows about breathing. He knows about pacing. Because yeah. Quran will, will drain you, brother. If you don't know how to breathe, like running, if you don't know how to breathe, it will drain you. <coughs> yeah, you panic. Yeah, in swimming. Yeah. You need to know breath. So Prophet ﷺ learned Sibaha and Aum, which is diving. He said, this is from Sheikh Ibrahim Osiyafa. He said this hadith. He, um, just in case anybody wants to say, I've never heard that hadith. Go and see Sheikh Ibrahim Osiyafa. He's in the UK. He's a black belt in BJJ. He's a Sheikh. See the one from Liverpool? Yeah. yeah. He's a Sheikh that can shift weight. So good luck. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to challenge this. Ahlan <laughs> Be my guest. I won't. Um, so Sheikh Ibrahim Asiyafa is one of those rare ulama and sheikhs that isn't stuck in mind. He teaches a pragmatic version of Islam. He says, Sahaba taught Islam through these arts. It's not a branch of Islam that you just get to go into. It is actually that you learn Islam through these things. And what, why did he, why the, so the continuation of the hadith is, I learned uh, I learned Sibaha and Aum and Aum was closer to my heart than Sibaha so I learned swimming close to the surface and I also learned diving and diving is closer to my heart than swimming because it taught me Fana what's Fana? you remember when you were behind that horse and you felt small that's Fana Mm-hmm. And that means you are zero. You're nothing. You're not such a big deal in this world. It means your reality is your breaths are counted and you have an experiential date. That's Fana. That's what swimming and running teaches you. You feel my breaths are counted. That's why they jokingly used to say the, the calligraphers have a long life. Because they hold their breath when they do calligraphy. <laughs> because their breaths, like, they, they conserve. They yeah, <laughs> keeping it. But they, of course, everybody knows that your breaths have a number. When that number is up, <coughs> goodbye. Ma'as-salama, you are off. It's consciousness of the breaths, yeah. Consciousness that you are not such a big deal. And one day you're here, tomorrow you're not. So all these arts, they have purpose. They're not just willy-nilly. That's why the Prophet said, when the Sahaba came, you know, Sahaba, their love of Rasulullah was different. They had, when you want to see if love is genuine, you will see jealousy in it. It's a sign of true love. If you are jealous, so if you really love someone, you will feel jealousy. You are human, brother. If you don't feel it, it's a sign, it's a bad sign. A little bit of jealousy is healthy. 
meaning from the love of that person, yeah. you want them to yourself. Like you really love them. You, we all know. We all love. You want to be friendly. We know. You, you just, you, you become a bit greedy. I, I, I can't let go. I, I love you so much. When mm. the Sahaba loved Rasulullah, they, that's how they loved him. So when he called them, the young ones, come to pray, some came, others stayed. And the ones who came, of course, said, Ya Rasulullah, we are here. We love you. Look at us, like, shower us with your blessings yeah. and love. But they are playing. What are they playing? Archery. And they said, but our friends are playing, so me, me, me. Kids, young adults. He said, he stopped them. Look how, look at the example. He said, he stopped them gently. And he said, don't call it play. Because between them and their target is rawda min riyadul jannah. Does it mean physically? No. Between because between the archer and the target is Rauda min Riyadul Jannah. It doesn't mean that that's a physical strip of paradise or a garden of paradise. It means that by shooting arrows and collecting them, you attain paradise. That's why some ulama said, the walking between the archer and his target is as rewardable as the walking to the masjid. Trukhum. إِنَّهُمْ فِي الصَّلَاةِ Leave them, for they are in ibadah, they are in their salat, as long as they don't go past the time. He had that flexibility. Mm. There's many ahadith, many riwayat on archery about this. And there's also, uh, the problem is that we're looking now, we go into a hadith, we go to Bukhari, open up, Babri Maya. But you need to go to a scholar, like when I went to Istanbul, in Haji Mahmoud Effendi. And one of the visitors was a muhaddith from Syria. His name is Sheikh Auni. Because at that time there was war. And a lot of the ulema migrated from Damascus to Istanbul. It was, not, it was a logical, the only way pretty much to go. Because they're not going to go to Saudi. They're going to go a uh, different direction. And he, he was there, and I, I was a bit, again, audacious. I said, I know you are resting, Mawlana, but you seem in good spirits. And mashallah, even though you have a, a lot of uh, years, you look young and you look good. And I tried to <laughs> message him a little bit. I said, can you give me some hadith on archery? Brother, he goes to, one, he goes to his student, open up, Babri Maya. And, he, and the student was reading, and he was reading along. Like he, bro, he had this hadith memorized. You can tell. Mm. And he would then put little nuggets into, as the student's reading, and he's correcting the student on the tashkil or the everything. And he would just put little, little dot points around the hadith. And um, so many hadith about this raudam in riyadh al-jannah trukum fa'innahum fi salat. And the relation of archery and salat. The, clo the closest ibadah to archery is salat. And scientifically, it requires the use of brain. And scientifically, the area of brain, they did research. That when you do archery and when you do speaking, you use the same area of your brain. 
you're using the exact same mo mo they have these machines i don't know how they measure this but they did this Sayyidina Umar knew this in 1000 and a half years ago he said to the sahaba what are you doing he said we are the answer came we are practicing archery and they made a grammatical error he goes because they were missing he's saying what are you doing why are you missing like this and come on he was trying to get them up why are you missing not criticizing but and they, they answered him poor things they must have been scared and they made a grammatical error he goes i don't know what's worse your archery or your arabic grammar <laughs> but look at it he knew yeah. it connection is there that's why in turkey you have in the ottoman empire not turkey in the ottoman empire Ottoman, not empire, Ottoman daula or government, kingdom, whatever, khalifa, it's probably the best word, to be a Sheikh Maidan or the, the leader of a archery, the archery range, the elite archery range in, in Turkey, which is today open, all this archery range in the world, mm. uh, you had four criteria. One, we have to be a crack archer. You have to be a very good archer. Two, you had to be of moral character. Three, you have to be half a school. Four, you have to be a master calligrapher. It's all connected. But they, they lived this. They, they had everything connected. It was not separated. It was all one. So when Sheikh Ibrahim talks about um, teaching fana through swimming and running, you actually learn fana. You learn balance. You learn all these things through all four. They're all meant to be bring balance in your life, balance in your body, balance between breathing and action. All of these things, breath is very important. Heart is very important. Stomach, what you eat, very important. Thoughts, you know how you said, when you say the horse, go, like, commit, visualize, and then do. A shark is not, if you see a shark in the water, you're either going to live or die. You're not that tough. Shark will eat you if they want to. But the power lies in my body language with the shark. That conversation that happens between the diver and the shark is, hey, I'm not prey. I'm predator like you. So you swim towards the shark. How you swim towards the shark, the shark can read. If you are present, you swim towards him, the shark will go, oh, pick a, I'll pick a fish over this guy. It's probably not less effort. It. and. But if he really wants to kill you, he can. This is the difference between me and a shark because I have that willpower and ability. So all these four things are connected. Sometimes very hard to put into words. You have to taste it. Mm. That's why one brother is a student from South Africa. Very set in books. And he's very knowledgeable, like accomplished. Studied seven, eight years, very good. But he's a man of the book, like man of the mind. And he didn't get, how can we do this? And it's not, it, there's, no, there's no instruction. We need to write instructions about this more clear. I said, there's a reason why you don't have instructions that clear. It, it is because it's experiential learning. You have to go and learn on the job. You cannot learn in a classroom what you use. And I, it wasn't very pleasant to give this to our alim. 
to tell him go and learn from a horse. He was hard, but he needed to hear. So a week later, I get a phone call. He goes, "Thank you. I've seen a horse, and I understand what you mean." Especially when you're so, you're an you're an basically an expert in one side. You're so one sided. Yeah. Exactly. You're not balanced. You've gone out of your body into your. That's why you can't teach people of the mind horsemanship. If you lived all your life, you haven't studied martial art, you haven't done any good sport that give you a sense of balance, balance. You don't understand physical. You have been in an office. You've never he- held anything heavier in your hand than a book. Don't get on a horse. Do everyone and yourself a favor. Don't go on horse. Not everybody is meant for cavalry anyway. There's infantry for you. Go. You're not meant for that. Because people that have been in the office all their life, ask any horse, horse trainer, if a person comes from the office, they want to learn horsemanship, they, they will try their nicest and best to get them off the horse and not get injured because they will do that. They don't understand. You put a child on a horse, however, they ride like that. Because mm. child lives in a body. Adult, as we go through life, we go into our head, just live in the mind. It's a problem. So children ride easy. Why? Because they have that inherent sense of balance. Yeah. Adults, we lose this over time. We don't even feel it. Yeah, I think one thing as well I've realized with, because um, I pay attention to a lot of fitness content these days in all parts of the world, that the idea of how you do one thing is how you do everything. People mm. are starting to figure out. Allah. Even though Allah. as Muslims, we've been doing this for how many years? Mm. And obviously you see through Sunnah sports, so many things through life is teaching, not just doing the physical part. And it's like it's always been there. It's just that we need to research our history. So, Or we need to not research. Do. We need to live. Do. There's a beautiful poem about water. In my, my, the way that Bosniaks learned their history is through poetry and songs. Song. Poetry is song. Once you apply a melody, it becomes a ballad, essentially. And it's some people memorize easier melody, unfortunately, than the content in the word. But for want of a better uh, explanation, they speak about water. They have a beautiful poem on water. And water, they address water in this poem. They're talking to the water. The actual water, not meaning all water. The seven types of water, the rain, the everything. H2O. They're saying, how blessed you must have felt when you were caressing his face upon making wudu. How did you feel, oh water, when you were washing him and he was making wudu and you were dripping down? And then they continued. And how sad you would have been when you were in the leather bag washing his wounds on Uhud. Get that. Let water be your teacher. Because water touched him. And that water went where? To the rest of the oceans and the rivers and the water and the ground. The horse. Even today you look at a horse, Arab horse, they are athar of the prophet. 
There's something called the prophet's thumb on the neck of the horse you look for. It's a genetic thing. But it goes back to the time that the prophet held the horse's neck and recited something in its ear. And up until now, you can see Arabian horses with an imprint like a dent. Your thumb fits in on their neck. You've got the Arabian horses that, that have the martyr's blood birthmark. The, the Arabs know this. You go and speak to them in the desert, but the Bedouins, they still have this. You see those horses, work with them and learn. From them, oh horse, how did you feel when he was on you? Oh water, how did you feel when? Speak to these things, not just to books. Go to water, learn about fana. Go to horses, learn about children. I learned more from horse how to interact with my partner, my wife, than from any book, self-development or course. Mm. After riding my horse, which is Arabian mare, she has a, a unique character, very feisty. I call my wife and I say, "Hi, I, what is? What do you? Usually, I call. Do you need anything for me to buy?" On the way home, and I just uh, called. I said, "Look, I just want to say I love you." What's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> What's <happened>? wrong? <laughs> Are you okay? Are you dying? <laughs> Are you? You know, I just said, I just had a penny drop moment on my horse. I encountered two dogs who had pack mentality, and I let my horse go and said to her, you need to take care of this. It's not my place to control you. You've got this. And she she cleaned them up very easily. I was on the road, so ro riding on the road. Yeah. And before, then, before that, a friend of mine fell off his horse badly, hurt himself and the horse, because two dogs attacked him, and he tried to control the horse. Because he thought, oh, no, 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 let me, I know the best way out of danger. No, no, no. Leave the horse. The horse will take care of you. Trust it. Just trust. And I said, um, honey, I love you. I just wanted to say that because I'm on this horse and I don't have the luxury of communicating in language with the horse, but I have communication with you and my, my family, but I don't use it. You don't appreciate communication until it's taken away from you. Yeah. No book will ever teach you this. You certainly learn that while through language learning as well. When you're, at especially as an adult, at the early stages, you start to recognize the importance of words or, sorry, the importance of other aspects through like other ways to communicate, not just words. And that's what you start to use because you're limited with these words and you start looking at other avenues and it's like we're so limited as humans. The least limited learning language in the world in history of mankind and creation is Arabic. And the Arabs valued language and wrestling. Mm. So that's proof that even the most, or, or even the most least limited language in the world ever, they still relied on the physical. Yeah. To d just drive it home. Because battles in the past, the Arabs, when they had two tribes, the champions would come out and they would do poetry battle. Instead of blood, that's why when the when the first interaction between Muslim army and non-Muslim army happened, Arabs got out, their poets started cracking poetry. And they looked at each other going, what, what's going on? Why are they, 
why are they saying poetry to us? Like, we're here to fight. And they were like, ah, ha, ha, these guys don't understand words. Okay, let's fight. So they had champion battles. Khalid bin al-Walid capitalized on this and destroyed the Persian generals one after the other because he was the general. He would come out. He would invite them. They couldn't say no because they would look bad in front of their soldiers. The general would come out. Khalid would make short work of him. And they would win the battle. Why? Because there's no head to the army. He cut off the head immediately. But initially, the battle happened. They, inv- they came out with poets. They, c- they wanted to, to do a poetry battle. There's no need for physical if you are in that level. On their level, they didn't need to fight. The poem would kill you. They could kill you with words. But others were not on that level, so of course... So you feel limited because your language is limited. And out of our own limitations. But the beauty of language, Allah gave us nataq. He gave us language. We should use it to our best abilities. That's why the first thing Rasulullah focused on is lugha. Before the fuads. How do I put what's in my software onto hardware? And then the fuads. So always start with language. The Arabs have beautiful saying. Don't use the whip in place of the word. And don't, yeah, don't replace the word. The word with the whip. And don't replace the whip with the sword. It's, it's a very deep saying. Mm. So to understand this, you have to understand three things. You need to understand word, you need to understand whip, and you need to understand sword. Not language. You need to understand what they are, meaning you had to have a taste of the word, you had to taste the whip, you had to taste the sword. Because it's one thing for me and you here to talk about wrestling, and another thing for me or you to have broken, to have cauliflower ears, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to yeah, I wanted to ask, with what you teach at Maidan Archery, you, the obviously, we've seen the lessons here with the four Sunnah disciplines. And oftentimes people see it as a skill to acquire, but not the means of um, implementing in your life. So you are able to derive lessons from horsemanship, but other people might not be able to. How do you teach the lessons of, or even just say, archery, um, and then make people not just learn how to be a better archer, but implement it in everyday life? How do you bridge that gap? From when they leave class, they stu- they become a better person. I ask a simple question. Tell me about your life before archery. Tell me about your life after archery. Tell me about your life before horses. Tell me about your life bef- after horses. Tell me about your life before running. And then tell me all about your life. Let's do you. Tell Did me you about your life okay. about after running. How has it changed? Well, it's still, it's still early. But um, before running... Um, in terms of like fitness, what are you we're talking about holistically? How did your life change? I would say more mentally, more aware of like my surroundings and also just feeling more in control because of the, not just the physical difficulty, but the mental difficulty of pushing through what my mind thinks is the limit to my body. Yeah. So after going through that and having that time to, you know, I would say relax, calm down and like digest everything that just has happened and then going through other things in my life, whether it's like whatever else comes with work or like family, 
bit more relaxed, a bit more. What's the word? Yeah, I'd say a bit more relaxed, in a way. I'm still going through it because, at the moment, I'm still at the stage running isn't getting any easier, because of course there's the thing of, challenge keep keep on challenging yourself consistently, and that's where it's like you're, you're growing the mental strength, mental toughness, I guess, in a way, and that really helps when I attack other things happening in my life. Bit more sound. You are actually a beautiful example. Um, you said, I am pushing myself mentally. And you said, I go beyond what I used to think I was capable. Is that correct? Yeah. So your body started wrestling with your mind. Instead of obeying your mi- mind, who was leading your body, now you're allowing your body lead your mind mm. that's where you feel sound because hold on I'm not only one sided mm-hmm. uh, I've got two dimensions there's two things to me my mind and my body connecting the two. connecting and I'm going to ask another question I hope you don't mind Go for it. how has your prayer changed I'd say I'm more conscious more, more present of what's in front of me like prayer is w- one of many things, but of course, like the most, but I'll say more present in what's in front of me and thinking like more clear thoughts, mm. not thinking about multiple things at once or mm. even mm-hmm. the way your approach to thoughts where sometimes it can develop without even realizing and then it's like all of a sudden you've created a problem that was never there. But now it's, I feel like I'm in more in control of my thoughts and that does help with the prayer. Yeah, you're more re- you, so you're more massively. you're more relaxed, and then you're more focused of what's in front of you, and that's the biggest part. That's the biggest benefit for me, really. Yeah. Yeah. I ask prayer because I don't know how close you are to Quran and how often you recite, but everybody prays five times a day. That's like a given for Muslim, and it should be given that we all recite Quran, and we are all fasting, extra fasting, and it's all this fasnudan beautiful thing. But I would have loved to hear that from a perspective of someone who is regular with Qur'an. Well, to be honest, I do Qur'an twice a week with my sheikh, reciting with him, and I'm not going to say it's a big difference, but I'm starting to see slight differences with speech, my, my speech, because of course I'm a teacher, so I'm aware of this, speaking because my students also international students, I'm teaching them English. Mm. So my choice of words and pace of speech is super important, more than any other Rhythm teaching role. Rhythm tempo. Exactly. Tempo. So I'm more conscious of that naturally and also Quran in a way because like I'm reading a certain ayat that I'm not familiar with or certain words where it's like it can become a tongue twister or I'm short of breath, but it's not happening as often. Mm. So it's a minor differences, but yeah, I can... Just be wary of them. Be, just notice them. Like you, I asked my one of my good and beloved uh, people that I teach. I asked his mother, "Tell me about his life before archery and after archery." I always ask these questions, and um, uh, Omar is the one who uh, uh, learned this in when he went uh, to see the Bedou, the Arabs, with horsemanship. Because they ask the same question. They say, "Tell me about your life before horses. Tell me about your life after horses." He goes, 
Nobody ever said my life got worse. Ever. Mm. Everybody said, I got better. Mm. Weird. You wouldn't have this depression and this problem and this through movement. Movement is the best medication for depression. There's no better ilaj, um, um cure is the yeah. word, yeah? Cure, no yeah. better cure. Allah cures. But we get the sabab. What's the sabab? Movement. You move, you run, you yeah. exert, and when you get to high end running, meaning you get to a point of what of the limit of your body, you will start to doors open to you that you, that doesn't open to everyone else. Why? Because not everyone else is capable to get to the level of that. So it's reserved to the ones who can push their body to that limit. Hmm. Doors I open. I think it's also interesting because I remember over the weekend when we had the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, you were talking about personalities and they get tested in the fight or in the mm, grappling, mm. where it's like, are you going to be resilient? Are you going to push through? You obviously get tired. But I think with BJJ, you have you have the other person you're competing against. And then it's like, for example, people might be watching. There's all this external pressure. And then you want to beat the other person like that was your goal. But then with running, it's just you against yourself. And that's a really big test because it's the exact same thing. Like it's testing your resilience. It's testing your character. Are you going to do exactly what you said? When things get tough, what are you going to do? But it's just the internal one Allah. compared to like against someone else, you know, in, normally in a classroom, stuff like that. Do you know about Wahi? Rasulullah when he got revelation, they documented it. They used to say it's as if he would wrestle with himself. That's how they described it. Mm. He would go into this state where it looks like he's wrestling with his own self. And they would usually put a cloth adaban over him. And he would sweat. There, there's, there's ulema who can describe this much more vivid than me. And, and you would be uh, well placed to go seek out scholars who can describe this mm. event. Or even just learn how he used to look. Become a real lover of Rasulullah. Come on. You don't know his sifat? You don't know about this? You need to know this. Yeah? And they say it's as if he was wrestling with himself. That's why. That's why we say doors are opened through physical exertion. Doors are opened through taking away food. And now, even the non-Muslims know this. When you do ultra marathon, people start to hallucinate. They start start to see things. Yeah. Doors are opened. But if your hal is correct. The doors that open are the good doors, the correct doors. Mm -hmm. There's even a guy, um, he's just a, he's very, very famous, like an ex-Navy SEAL. His name's Goggins. De you know Goggins? That's where I heard yeah, this he, he said, you, you hallucinate. Yeah. I was like, that's it? Yeah. That's the one. He's unlocked yeah. certain parts of he, the mind. He, he says his running thing he did when he wanted to, because he's done like ultra marathons and stuff like he's that. He's on another. He's yeah. the elite. Yeah. He's he, what that Sahabi would have been. Yeah, I think so. That we talk about. Run for 24 hours and stuff. This guy. This Mashallah. is the same. Now imagine he had Hidayah. He was a Muslim. Allah. Subhanallah. 
Allah yeah. yeah. What was interesting was he had one, I think, a hundred mile race, twenty four hours, and he said I learned more in that twenty four hours than I did in Hell Week, serving overseas in the army, any other run for my entire life. That twenty four hours gave me years of growth, mm. and that's like that's what he said about doing. Reading his book isn't going to do anything for you compared to that twenty four hours. Exactly. Mm. You're going to be just doing this crawling. Yeah. No. That's not And this is the beauty About the four arts You ask anyone Of the shabab Do you know how to ride? Bro I'm malim I'm like <laughs> Professional You know how to wrestle? Bro I'll put you down bro They talk like that as well. <laughs> I did that last Last time at Maydown I said brothers You want to have a man Get gathering Why are you always eating? Let's work out Let's do Zurhane One of them goes Brother I'll put you down I was like Yalla Let's go so it was one, I, I'm, I'm older than all of them. And some of them are 90 kilos. And we, put, we wrestle, put one by. And he, I left him for last. I said, I'm tired, come wrestle me. Come. He goes, no, brother, I can't. Mm-hmm. So if you ask a horse, do they know horses? Yeah, I know. Wrestling, yeah. You know how to swim, bro. Bondi. <laughs> like, fully hectic. Yeah. Anyway. You know how to run, bro, until you get them to do it. That's when you know if they know or they don't know. Yeah. The man is proven on the Maidan. When he's tested under pressure, only then you see a man, if he, what kind of man he is. His talk, they, they say for reason, talk is cheap. Yeah. I l- also, related to that, I've actually had an experience, I was, t- was telling you before, I started a group chat of trying to get brothers to come pray with me at the mosque. On the weekend, because weekend, I guess, no excuse. And then come for a run, like conversational run, just like easy pace, mm. just to, you know, show up, build the habit. So I'll just bring context. There's 50 members in my group, alhamdulillah. Step one, yeah? Mm. First night, I remember seven, eight boys, eight brothers said, yes, I did a poll. Next day, I rock up, zero. Some brothers messaged, some didn't, maybe slept in. And this way brought to me, I was just learning, I was just thinking like, like for you f- to say words, you know, people, because there was also in the group chat, people doing suggestions. Why don't we go here? Like it's a bit closer, you know, we save time, do this. And then when it comes to, like you said, crunch, the crunch time. Mm. And that was the Saturday and then that the was Sunday? That was the first one. The second one, alhamdulillah, some other brothers came. Mm. So, Half of the boys that said they were going to come the day after. But they're more of saying like, oh, I feel bad. I'll come for you. But then I was trying to tell them like, trying to instill in them, do it for yourself. Because it's going to last longer. Mm. If you're just doing it just to please me or like trying to repay something, there's nothing to repay. Mm. I've forgiven you. Like, it's okay. Mm. So it's more, I've recognized as well, like you said, words can, can be cheap until it comes to the crunch time. So... And then the third session, the entire new crew came. No one that came to the last exactly. one came to that yeah. one, so which I was shocked by. So I've been doing it for two weeks now. And yeah, so three, four brothers came, different group. So the other brother came last week. I don't know. It, it's fine. Inshallah, I'd, I still want them to come because it's a long-term thing. Mm. And they're my brothers. But it's just, it shows to me like saying words is not enough. Mm. And it just teaches me as well for my actions. If I'm going to say to 
Ashraf, I'm going to say to Ahmed, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, let's do it. But then it comes to action time, it's like, where's your proof? So SubhanAllah, like there's just little things. But that's culture. Yeah. What you said right there is culture. Because if you value something in your culture, in Islamic culture, these things were valued. And that's why Midan is trying to bring back that culture of archery, bring back the culture of valuing strength and what type of strength, defined, defined strength, not how heavy an object you can lift once, but how, how heavy an object you can manipulate over a long time, period of time, of swimming, of running, of all these things. If they grow up, and if you and I grow up doing these things, we're done fixing broken men. Focus on your children. Do it so your son sees you, so your son copies you. When your son does that, reward it. More than you do rugby or footy or soccer or any of the ball sports. Sheikh Ibrahim sa uh, <laughs> says, those Dajjalic ball, ball sports. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> 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 We don't mean like soccer is good because it runs. It's all right. You know, it has some aspects of marksmanship yeah, and things. True. But Sheikh Ibrahim is a, another level. He's like mm. purist. Yeah. Mm. Th there is this I get and there is from. nothing else. Mm. But this is the culture. There is this, there's something else. But there's this and this is value. This is why it's valued. And this is my, my way of sh physically showing love for my prophet. Because he loved this. How do you love when two of my mashaykh passed away? Rahmatullahi alayhi. The student of my second sheikh is uh, Hafiz Haji Mulich's student. Hafiz Haji Mulich, if you want to see what istiqama is, go see his works. Like, amazing man. He ended up passing away shortly after. And I was depressed. My sheikh passed away. How can I live without him? His, his eyes are off me now. Like I felt like his eyes are off me, but they're not off me. Why? He said to me, his, the student of Hafiz Haji Mulich, he said, he goes, what are you talking about? Your sheikh lives on in your actions and your heart. And he goes, Legacy. his love continues. How? By you loving the people and the things that he used to love. Parenting as well, yeah. So do the things that Prophet ﷺ appreciated, love the things that he used to love, and appreciate the type of people he used to appreciate. Be what he loved, be who he loved, be, do what he loved. Alas, he lives. Hmm. And then, of course, you have the Qur'an. SubhanAllah. Yeah, I think, I think we have to wrap up here. Was <laughs> there any... Um, well, firstly, Jazakallah Khairan for coming on. Honestly, I think we loved it and I think the audience will yes, too. Was there any parting advice? There was a lot of advice given in this episode, but was there anything that maybe you wanted to bring up or give to the audience? Something that has been maybe at the forefront of your mind? If not, there's more than enough takeaways and gems mm -hmm. in this episode. Every time I ask that question, I always remember when I asked, every time the, ex the question is asked to me, 
I remember one of the mashayikh whom I asked. And he answered because he asked his sheikh. So it would have been probably somewhere along the line. Maybe there's a silsila to, to Rasulullah. I don't know. But he said, dunya the, the world is a moment in time. Moments were measured in breaths, nafas. Right? A moment is a breath. A dunya is a breath. So make it in your ibadah. Make it in the worship or in the yeah, in the worship of the Lord. That's that's what I heard. So I'm not in a place to advise others. You know, but that's what was said to me. Alhamdulillah. Now that was beautiful. Jazakallah khairan again for coming on. For anyone that did um listen to the episode and made it all the way to the end, you know, you can check out Ustaz Ahmed's Maidan Archery Club in Sydney. Go get involved. I know we have a lot of listeners from Sydney. So go even come for a day, come meet you know, the brothers meet Ibrahim, he's doing some spear fishing there. Yep. Meet the community, connect, and Jazakallah khairan again, may Allah reward you. It was a um, pleasure. May Allah, you made me happy, may Allah make you happy. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, may Allah reward us all. Jazakallah khairan. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode.